This podcast is brought to you by MedCloud. Get connected, cyber safe. Hello and welcome again to the Vanguard podcast. My guest today is Andrew Hedden, who is Chief Marketing Officer of Marketopia, the premier business-to-business marketing and lead generation agency for technology companies. Andra has over 20 years of experience in marketing and business development and 12 years of experience focusing specifically on the IT channel. She has a deep expertise and passion for helping technology service providers realize their growth potential and helping vendors drive growth through partner recruitment and enablement. Over the past six years, her company Marketopia has evolved from a team of two to over 120 staff and recently expanded into Europe and APAC. Her passion has created an organization recognized as a three-time award winner, ranked among Tampa Bay's best places to work. And being an entrepreneur, maybe 24-7, but when she's not working on the business, you'll find her in the water with friends and family soaking up the Florida sun. Andra, welcome to the Vanguard podcast and thanks for joining me this morning. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I'm excited about our chat. Me too. Me too. It's really good to have you because of the simple fact that we have a lot of business owners, a lot of technology company owners that listen to the podcast. And I think you're a wonderful, wonderful story because you're motivating, you talk about sales, you talk about marketing. But could you give us a little bit of a background as to Andra Hedden and how you got into technology and marketing? Where did it start? And has marketing always been something you wanted to get into? Absolutely. It's interesting. So the nutshell story um, is that I've always loved anything creative. The the three things that I've always loved my entire life is being creative, which which typically throws you into some sort of a, a, a marketing realm, um, generally speaking, right? But you can be creative in any type of role that you have. Um, but I've always loved being creative and, and I've always loved being strategic um, and I've always loved people. So those three things put together, which I've loved my entire life, it, it's interesting where it will put you as far as business is concerned. So the, the logical thought when I went to university, the logical thought was that I would just get into marketing, you know, marketing and communications. I knew I always wanted to be potentially in that field, you know, marketing, advertising, all of that. And um, so, so I really was fully focused on, on that as my major. And as I went through my first couple of years, I really realized I, I know marketing. Naturally, I've, I've always loved sorting out what it means and how to get someone to be informed in such a way that they're going to want to engage in whatever it is. Um, so I've always loved that. So I decided, you know what, instead of pigeonholing myself, I really love business as well. Let's go, you know, I'm, I majored in, in business and, and economics, and then I minored in communications. Um, and, and it was just, it was a, a great way to, to spread the things that I really love into different fields and really figure out how I was going to use it. So when I graduated, um, I went off to do marketing and events with a company um, that I absolutely loved. And it took me all over the place. I traveled all over the US and Caribbean um, with that company. And it was amazing. And then from there, I stayed within the realm of marketing and communications and, and really decided that instead of traveling all over the place, I wanted to stay locally. And I was in Tampa at the time. So I said, I want to work for a Fortune 100 or 500 company in the Tampa Bay area. And at that time, you could probably count on one hand how many companies were Fortune 100 or 500 that really? were based out of this area. Um, yep. So I, I, I said, you know what, I want it to be in medical or tech, because that's where the dollars were at the time. 
And I fell upon distribution. So Tech Data was a, a local company here in the area, still is. Uh, and, and I went that direction. So I fell into a, a role at Tech Data and absolutely fell in love with technology. And that kind of put me on the path of melding technology and marketing uh, and business development altogether. It's amazing how you naturally find a slot or you find a vocation that you want to do. You know, it, it sounds like that came very early on. You know, you could communicate, you could be creative, therefore you want to get into marketing and then therefore marketing got you into technology. And I want to touch on one thing you mentioned about events. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking now in April 2021, we're hopefully seeing the back end of COVID. I know we're still engrossed in this global pandemic, which is mm-hmm. which has ruined many, 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 many companies, sadly. But I want to touch on events for a little bit because you did speak about it. And our industry technology revolves around events, face-to-face events. Are you seeing any events starting to get scheduled now in the US? Because I know what's going on in Europe, but is there more event face-to-face events being scheduled in the US now? And not only that, if you could put a crystal ball in front of you for a minute, how do you think events are going to happen in the next, let's say, six months and then maybe in, in 12, 18, two years? You know, it's it's really interesting Obviously, no one saw 2020 coming the way that it did. And and I think that there was a lot of challenges, obviously, that came out of COVID and the ripple effect of how it affected businesses and, and people and lives. Um, one of the repercussions, as, as you state, is that in-person events really couldn't be something that you engage in. So due to that, and due to in our space, that being one of the main ways that you generate leads or one of the main ways that you start to develop relationships. Um, it's, it's interesting because I think that it also was one that everyone depended on. And so when something that you depend on kind of gets ripped out from underneath you, you have to survive. So you pivot, right? And you try to figure out other ways to get the same result that you had before, which was generating relationships, generating leads, generating revenue for your business. So what ended up happening, obviously, it's now history, but what ended up happening is that everyone pivoted to virtual. So it wasn't the same. Everyone went virtual and and many still are virtual. Um, I think a lot of goodness came out of that. I think that cost savings, you know, in-person events are really, really costly. Uh, you've got travel engaged. You've got the locations, the venues. The food. It's so expensive to do events on-prem. So it was interesting to watch everyone not only pivot to virtual, but then you've got to get creative. And that doesn't change whether you're virtual or you're on-prem. You've got to get creative and differentiate your event and, and what you're doing at that event that makes it worth someone's time, particularly when events are... There's so many. They're all the time. And you've got to really pick and choose which one you're going to spend your time on. So you've got to differentiate yourself. So when we saw everything go virtual, it was interesting to see who and, and where people were spending their time. Now that we're seeing it, the world start to open back up again, we are seeing on-prem events come back. There have been, even for the past couple of months, whether it was going to do local events, but doing them outside. We saw teams do that in the channel. Now we are seeing actual events starting back up in June and some even at the end of May that are actually on-prem. Um, it was interesting over COVID, there were a couple of companies who really continued to do little road shows and things along those lines on-prem and, and with everyone, um, knowing very well that potentially everyone would show up because everyone was really yearning to be around people. 
but you know, shortly after you find that the health scare and people getting COVID being around each other isn't worth, you know, the the lead gen. So those companies, you know, stopped. But now that that it's healthy and, and people are getting vaccinated, I'm absolutely seeing on-prem come back. I think that everyone is thirsty to see each other and and to go to an on-prem event. I think that they're going to be wildly successful for those that are doing them and well attended because people are so excited to see each other again. And then I think, you know, crystal ball in the future, I really do think that there's been a lot of discoveries with virtual events. I think it's led to innovation with how to do webinars differently, how to take advantage of Facebook Live differently, how to, how to use video on social differently, um, and how to use your time differently, right? Maybe you don't need to go away for a week and travel away from home. Maybe you can just jump on a, a meeting and do something virtually. And now that everyone is used to doing that, it literally level set everyone. So it's not so foreign to do a virtual event now as it may have been. So I really foresee a lot of the smaller events that were probably really expensive to put on and maybe the ROI wasn't there, potentially going virtual. And then a lot of the bigger events, the massive ones, those will come back. But many of the filler events in the middle, I, I think will will go away and, and the real strong events will survive. And it'll just go, you know, pendulum swing that way. But I think all good things will end up happening when it comes to events. The, the bad ones are going to get sifted out and then the yep. good ones will, will stay around. I think that's a really good point. I, I absolutely agree. And I, I can see that happening here in Europe and certainly APAC as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's very mirrored. I think you guys are a little bit more advanced in regards to in-person events. Certainly APAC are in, in Australia, obviously, because they shut down the whole borders and mm-hmm. they were able to isolate. They're having a pretty good time of it, which is fantastic. It's mm-hmm. good to see. I want to go back to the career again, if I may, and I know I'm pivoting back to the career. But in 2014, yourself and Terry started Marketopia, which I I guess I want to understand the mindset going from what would be a a secure, really important job with a tech giant like Tech Data, and then going, you know what, I'm going to pivot here and I'm going to start up my own business. That must have been a really big fork in the road moment for you. You know, do I take the security and stay where I am and progress, or do I? take what is a massive punt in starting any business. What was the catalyst to take that leap and to start Marketopia back then six years ago or seven years ago now? I know we're about to be seven, which is just unbelievable. It's fantastic. We turned seven in August and it's it's so exciting. And the seven years have just flown by, um, which has been amazing. At you know, one point you look at it and it feels like it's been a hundred years because so much has happened. And then one second you look at it and it feels like we started it yesterday. So it's it's really interesting. So I have always had a entrepreneurial spirit. The plan was always that I wanted to start my own companies ever since I was little. And I've always wanted to have, you know, a portfolio of companies and really do things that I was passionate about and and wanted to give back doing. And, and one of them was always a marketing firm. So the goal was always to to learn from, you know, this is something that my parents taught me when I was very young. And and my parents are entrepreneurs. I come from a, a line of entrepreneurs. So does Terry, which is interesting. But my parents always said, you know, go and learn from companies who do it really well. So go and learn from the giants, go and learn on someone else's dollar and really figure out what works, what doesn't, you know, learn about people, um, you know, what a great employee looks like, what a good process looks like, what, what things you wouldn't want to do. Um, so go learn from great people and then really sort out where that hole is in an industry that you like. And they basically always said, if you want to create a company, you got to figure out where that glitch is, where that hole is, and then figure out if, given your skill set, you can fill it. And with all the things that you learn from big companies, 
then you can do it the right way and at the right time. And so I, I took that advice to heart and I was really fortunate to learn from great companies like you know, Cartier and Anheuser-Busch and Tech Data and Innisbrook. There's really great companies that I had worked for and learned a lot from in a marketing and in business development and sales perspective. And obviously, as I mentioned, I fell in love with tech and I, I really knew that tech was not going anywhere. At that time where I was really trying to figure out where I wanted to be locally when I when I really wanted to stay in the Tampa Bay area, the decision was medical or tech. And at the time, there was a lot of regulation coming down in the medical field. And I said, you know, tech is prime at that time. And I was like, done, I'm going to go this direction. And I did, obviously, through distribution. And as I went into distribution, and, and really, I looked at it as, as an amazing playground to learn about the ins and outs of this space. And oftentimes, individuals will go to distribution to learn and then jump and go work for a vendor. And that was never my plan. Everyone thought I was so crazy because it was never my plan. I wanted to learn. And I wanted to, to learn as much as I could from a ton of amazing people and, and learn from many different angles. And so that's what I did. And when I went into distribution, it was really interesting because at the time, you know, virtualization was really big. BI was really big. There was a lot of things that were happening and cloud really wasn't the shiny object just yet. And I really realized that that's where everything was going. I mean, every everyone's looking over here at these things because that's where the big POs are right now. But cloud is going to be that shortly. So I really paid full focus on cloud and learning as much as I could and helping out with those initiatives internally. And what I realized through the positions that I held within distribution is that inside of the goals of the channel is that you've got these massive, amazing vendors that really want to help these reseller partners grow. Where I found the glitch is as cloud and as other types of solutions were really trying to come about, the multi-billion dollar opportunity was in small to medium businesses, small to medium MSPs and resellers. And that's where a lot of these big vendors were trying to pivot to say, wow, if we can get, you know, those small, you know, a lot of those small guys, the volume would be huge. I mean, the numbers are huge when you aggregate it and add it up. The glitch that I found is that when these vendors were trying to enable these MSPs or these resellers to go to market, they would give them all these amazing resources, all of these dollars, all these portals. But the problem was is that there was a lot of these vendors, hundreds of these vendors, giving all these resources to all these small to medium businesses. And that is very overwhelming when you're a one to two to a five person shop. You really just can't manage it all. You don't have time. You don't have any marketing people. You don't have time to go into these portals. You don't have time to use the resources. You don't know about marketing. And the glitch I found was that there was plenty of, of resources to help these small guys. There was plenty of dollars that went wasted. I saw millions and millions of dollars go wasted quarter after quarter from all these vendors because these MSPs or these resellers didn't know how to even utilize it. And I saw the major need being that these partners, these resellers really needed support. So the idea was, why don't we try to support them? So my first idea was, why don't we do this through distribution? And I remember pitching different ideas and things that we could do and ways that we could improve the marketing on behalf of resellers through distribution. And it was really interesting because at the time, the types of initiatives I was thinking of were going to be really expensive and we were already working on a lot of great things internally. So I, I not only realized that, but then I also realized in order for the partners to be supported in the way that they needed to be supported, there needed to be an integration into their business. So this is some sort of an integration for marketing into their CRM or their PSA tool. And many partners are not that interested in doing that with distribution because someday distribution could go and sell direct and bypass the partner. 
Obviously, distribution is not going to do that, but it's still in the back of the mind of all partners. So I realized very quickly that it was not going to be possible to do what I was trying to accomplish for the partner inside of distribution. What I did was I really started to think about the business model, think about what it is that it could look like and how we could really help both vendors and partners. And while I was going through the process of figuring out what this model could look like, I thought, you know, maybe I'll see if there's a way to do this inside of distribution. And this was before I figured out that it wasn't going to be possible. And I said, why don't I interview a couple of local companies, some MSPs that maybe do a little bit of marketing, see if they can help me to to scale this idea or do it outside of distribution so it's more cost effective and then bring it in-house when we build it up enough. And one of the companies, I said, I'll meet with two to three MSPs locally. One of the companies that was brought to me was Infinity Technology Solutions. And that was Terry's company. So interestingly enough, he was the first one that I met with to interview to see like, oh, is there some sort of a fit here? Could I outsource it maybe to a local MSP and then bring it in-house at some point in time? We met each other and it was not a fit at the time. His company was doing marketing, but it wasn't in the way that I was looking for for this initiative that I was going to try to do. Um, so fast forward, I kept him in the loop though of doing you know blogs and speaking engagements and different things because he was a great resource. And I had a group of experts that did a lot of those similar things. So fast forward, he and I met each other and and got to know each other over a year and a half period of time. And we were great friends. And, and it was really interesting because we realized we've got so many similar interests. We obviously fell in love somewhere along the lines. But in the midst of that, I was sorting out you know what I was going to do. And I really felt called to go launch this marketing company. At the same time, he had sold his MSP. So he was looking to see, what am I going to do next? And so we thought, okay, we'll launch a cloud consulting company for you. And then I'll do this marketing firm. And then we can kind of do these two really cool initiatives together. And lo and behold, we both fell in love with this idea of what became Marketopia. How do we help with sales and marketing and business enablement? These partners succeed. And he had that background with MSPs because he was an MSP. I had the background with vendors and distribution. And so together, melding it became what Marketopia is today. And you know, it was just great because he was doing a little bit of marketing inside his MSP. So he was very familiar with that. He did a phenomenal job of selling and marketing in his MSP. It was a great meld of both of our skill sets. And now we're you know seven years later, and it's, it's still a great ride. It's a fantastic story. And of course, the recent announcement of the expansion globally, it's a continuation of of that ride. A hundred percent. We couldn't be more excited. And it's just, it's one of those serendipitous things. You know, we've had clients asking us for for years when we were going to expand and have an office in London. When were we going to expand and have an office in Australia? And it just ended up being the right time. And, you know, I feel like when those things happen, the right people, you know, end up being in the mix as well. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's amazing. So we're very, very excited about it. And, and the goal really is to create the same type of support that we have had here in the States. We've always supported vendors and MSPs with lead generation marketing business business development, you know, revenue generation activities here in the States. So we've had clients in Australia, we've had clients in, in Europe that were trying to expand in the US. So we supported them to expand their footprint here in the US, but now we can do it the opposite way. So we can take, you know, companies that are based in the States who want to expand in Europe and, you know, EMEA and, and APAC, even local companies that are based there expand there. So it's really cool. We're obviously very excited about it. It's, it's awesome. 
It's amazing, isn't it? Because it's almost that full circle now. You know, it used to be US companies wanting to expand globally into into EMEA and APAC, but there are so many new technology companies. There's a lot coming out of that little country called Australia as well, as you mm-hmm. and I both know, that want to launch into the bigger markets like Europe and America and, and a company like Marketopia that's an innovator mm-hmm. in, in its space. And there's a reason why it's gone from two people to 120 people over that time is because it can now take those companies into those new markets. So it's an exciting time. And I, I understand that. You know, we are in a technology world, but also from a business world, the innovation is what helps grow and it's part of your entrepreneurial spirit as well. Absolutely. It's neat to see what's happening right now with, you know, cybersecurity and with businesses who have made it through COVID and are really pivoting to find out where the opportunity is at and figuring out how they can continue to offer their value and their services wherever it's needed. And I do think that, you know, I've talked to many companies recently who are doing that same thing, finding opportunities in UK, finding opportunities in, in APAC and, and expanding there as needed. And it, it's really neat. And we're definitely excited about it. It's fun to pivot and it's fun to try things. And, and that's part of being an entrepreneur. And that's part of being agile enough to go where you need to go where where your service is needed and, and not be afraid to do so. So we're, we're definitely excited about it. If data had a sound, it could be this. The sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business. MedCloud. Get connected. Cyber safe. Connected, CyberSafe is our mantra. From tailored, managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, I guess I've been around the, the industry a while and I'm not going to say the age, but you know, been around a while and we know a lot of these technology providers, whether they be MSPs, VARs, TSPs, you know, they're, they're started or they're run by brilliant engineers or developers. They're technically gifted. Oh my word, they are so brilliant in what they do. But I've seen many businesses fail or stagnate because they have no idea about sales and marketing. And we see these companies every day and people in our space see these companies every day. So one of the questions I want to ask you as a sales and marketing expert is you see these companies every day. What do you see the greatest challenge for those businesses from a sales and marketing front? Is it the lack of knowledge of of how to sell themselves, how to market themselves? Is it the fear of spending all this money and not knowing how the return on investment works? What is the biggest challenge to these technology companies moving forward? And do you think it's down to sales and marketing and the ability to sell and market themselves in their industries? 
I think it actually really starts with being realistic with yourself. And and I say that as a, a first thought to that question, because I think it's a mix between knowing what you want and being realistic. And so what I mean by that is, is many of these owners that just do phenomenal at, at the technology side of the house. The deal is though, is that that only matters once you have a new client. So it, you've, you've got to really be thinking about, okay, what is it that I want as a business owner? And, the, and being realistic with yourself about those wants and desires and how you're going to get them. And many business owners or MSPs that, that we talk to, they don't really have a plan. They're going one day to the next and really relying on referral partners or relationships that they have. And, and once you're really come to an understanding with yourself of what your business goals really are, you know, what am I really trying to accomplish this year as far as revenue? How am I going to get there? What is a lead worth to me? How many leads do I need? You know, a lot of business owners, no fault of their own, but are just kind of crossing their fingers and hoping that they, they're profitable this year without putting a plan in place. And so I think identifying what you're trying to accomplish in your business and then literally putting down on paper what that plan looks like. How am I going to get to, you know, 3 million? How am I going to get to 5 million? How am I going to get to 10 million? And an understanding too what it's going to take to get there. It takes new clients. The only way to get new clients is to put awareness out there about your business. That's called marketing. And once you market yourself and awareness happens, people will either start to come to find you or you're going out and you're outbound marketing yourself. Either way, you've got to do marketing first. And that's the very first thing that has to happen. Then once you're marketed, you have to sell, right? So that's the second thing. And then you get to provide those amazing services that you have um, and, and that technology expertise that you have. So that's the third rung in. And so if the first and second aren't sorted out, you never get to provide that value that you've got on the, the third element. So I think really having a good idea and identifying what the wants and desires are in the business and then being realistic about, okay, what components do I actually have in the business that, that will get me there? And if many of the business owners are realistic, they understand that that number three, that third rung, that's what they're really good at. So they've got to find someone to help them, the marketing and the sales piece. Some MSPs on the polar opposite side actually aren't that great at service. They're actually better at sales and marketing. So they've got to be more realistic and figure out, okay, great. I need to spend my time on the front end of the business and then have really great people behind me that, that handle the, the services side, the engineering side, all of that. Um, and I think that that's really the, the first steps is identifying where those weaknesses are and then plugging those holes. And so when you do that, that's obviously why Marketopia and companies like us even exist, because we know that that is the biggest challenge with partners. We know that the sales and marketing doesn't come second nature, and that's not the most exciting part of their day, right? So, so that's why we exist to overlay on them and, and really fill those gaps. I love it. I love it. And for me, um, I always teach my kids uh, in sport or in business or in school, it's okay to make mistakes. You know, it's 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 okay to fall flat in your face because you're going to learn from that and and you know mistakes are just as good as successes because they shape our lives and they shape our way of dealing with pain or or dealing with certain aspects of our life you know as we go into adulthood and, and in our careers and so forth as a business owner do you have a a highlight that you use as your north star every day to say that's what I'm going for that's what I did in the past and I'm going to do that again 
Conversely, you know, is there an episode in your entrepreneurial life where you learned a valuable lesson due to making a mistake? Something that people can learn from and say, you know what, I did that. So it's not just me that has to cope or it's not just me that's gone through that. Because it's always nice to hear stories of successful people in not only how they did well, but what they did when they didn't do so well and what they did to get back up and go forward again. Definitely. So, so on both of those fronts, the lessons learned side of the house, it's really interesting because mistake isn't something that it isn't even a word that I probably ever use. I, I definitely think that all of the lessons are for a reason and that there's a lot of good that can come from them. And and what I try to do is every decision that's being made is is well thought out and has the right intention so that I don't ever have to regret it, even if it ends up being a lesson learned right? If you go in with the right intention, you don't have that same guilt as if you know that you did something That's that great. wasn't in the, in the best interest of the people that you were doing it for. You know that, that it was done in the wrong way. You know, my North Star is inside of me of just knowing the right and wrong and trusting your gut and your instincts and the previous lessons learned and those around you that you've put in place around you because they're smarter or better or, or whatever the case may be. So I, I think always trying to make decisions for the right reasons keeps me centered. Because I know that that I was doing it for the right reason and hoping that it turned out in the best way. But what I would say that is that if you're not having lessons learned, you're missing out. And, and you're not reaching and you're not taking risks and you're not doing things to be better and better and better the next day. Truly, you end up being comfortable. And, and that's not growth. It's actually working backwards because other people are moving faster and being riskier and doing other things and, and challenging themselves. And so I, I, I love that. And what I would say is, is, you know, some easy lessons learned, I would say, uh, in our business, people are, are the cornerstone of our business. So making sure that you've got the right people and the right roles is so incredibly important. There have been times, you know, particularly early on where maybe a person was really great at the role, maybe they were an amazing designer, or maybe they were an amazing salesperson. But we didn't, you know, see a red flag on culture, like, oh, man, maybe they're not the best culture fit, or maybe they're not this. So I think making sure that you you hire and part ways with people on your core values, no matter how great they are, whatever the craft is, will always be in the best interest of the business. Um, you know, people are just amazing. So I think there's a lot of lessons learned that a lot of companies learn with people. People are a representation of your business, and that's your brand. So it's always important to make sure that you, you've got the right ones in place that are a good reflection of who you are as a business owner, and then and then who you want your company to be. Um, so I think there's always lessons learned with with team members. One of the lessons that we learned early on was when we set out to be a lead generation firm for technology companies, we actually were only going to do it digitally. You know, now we have a whole digital team, which is, you know, content design, digital elements, and then we also have telep. In the beginning, we were only going to be a digital agency and provide services that created marketing qualified leads. And we were going to outsource the tele, the appointment setting for the sales qualified leads. And that was definitely a lesson learned. You know, that lasted probably, I don't know, I think it was a month. It was very short lived early on. <laughs> yep. um, and we realized that it wasn't going to be a fit and it wasn't going to be a fit to outsource that part of the business because one, it wasn't up to the standard of our service offerings. And, and it wasn't the quality that we were looking for from the vendors that we had tried to partner with at that time. So this is one of the risks. We said, you know what? Neither one of us have ever run a telegroup, a call center, but we know that this is in the best interest of our company, our clients, everyone. And so we did it. And now, you know, seven years later, it's a huge part of our business. 
couldn't imagine it any other way. So I think that there's always going to be, you know, different lessons. Those are just two, you know, small examples. Um, yep. But but yeah. I think they're great. It's certainly good to get an entrepreneur's perspective as to, you know, the way they see the growth of their business. Some is planning, some is culture and everyone goes back to the people within that group. And that seems to be the general line from everyone I speak to. It's it, it's it's all about the people and how the people are respected. And I know it's something that Marketopia and the Marketopians all respect. And I know it's something you're very proud of and, and, and you should be. The team members that I know are very proud of being part of that group. And, and obviously the way that they're treated as parts of the family, it's a very family orientated business. I think that's, you know, there's a massive pat in the back for the management team and certainly yourself and Terry. Andrew, thank you so much for the overview. I, I love learning the stories of of not only how you progressed in your career and then started Marketopia and you know, you and I know each other very well and we could probably talk for about six hours on a podcast. So <laughs> we absolutely go. <laughs> I'd like to finish the podcast with a quick fire three. And these are just questions I throw out there just to see what comes back and what sticks. And some people worry about money, some people worry about the kids, some people worry about that. But what keeps you up at night, apart from builders out the back or something like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I would say, you know, I'm a really heavy sleeper, which is good. So I do get some sleep, but I would really say the just ideas keep me up at night, okay. you know, ways to make things better, yeah. um, thinking through solutions to maybe things that we're working on or um, I call it playing mental Tetris. So I'm, I'm working through things in my mind and I'm thinking through, okay, where can that piece fit? What does that look like? What would keep me up at night is really just thinking about how to continue to be better. And then too, if there's ever movement or if there are ever things that go on, I mean, obviously COVID was something that definitely kept mm. both Terry and I up at night. And it's been something that is so unbelievable, um, not only in the world, but then when you're a business owner, it's something that you never really think about being faced with, um, which is the health of your team. So protecting the health of your team, as well as protecting the financial well-being of your team at the same time when, when they're almost you know, at odds with each other, right? Can't be around each other, but everyone needs to keep working. And every, you know, we need to keep clients happy. We need to keep things going. But at the same time, keeping everyone healthy um, and keeping productivity up, right? So it's it was such an interesting one, and it was a, a challenge that we dealt with. And I'm actually extremely proud of of how our team handled COVID, and and Terry in particular being you know just a fearless leader and thinking through everything. And he and I would talk about everything, trying to think of you know what's going to happen in a month from now, what's going to happen in two months from now, trying to stay so ahead of the curve so that we could protect everyone. And, and, you know, he was great about overly communicating with the team and having a different phase of COVID. And oftentimes he would come out with a phase of something that we were going to do. And then a month later, you know, the world would be in that type of a phase. And so it was really great. So I would say that has been something most recent um, that definitely kept us up, but it's always that type of thing about, you know, how to keep everything going and being better and better and better and better every day. And, and obviously, we live with each other, right? So we're constantly brainstorming and constantly in these conversations, whether we're brushing our teeth or eating breakfast or whatever the yeah. case may be. So. I'm, I'm a very light sleeper and I'm always thinking of things, always thinking, what can I do? What can I do here? What can I do there? It's, it's quite interesting. Do you have a favorite quote or a mantra you live by? Ooh. So I have a lot of favorites. Yep. One that I love as, as far as branding is concerned, um, and I actually just did a, a session on this this past week, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. But you know, be yourself. Everyone else is taken, and I think that that is just amazing and actually you know quite deep. If if you really think about it, you know, being really comfortable with who you are, 
being the best version of yourself that you can possibly be. And, and that's how I think that you find the most success in your life and truly the most fulfillment in your life because it feels the best when you're being the most authentic version of yourself. And so I think that, that that's something that I live by when it comes to just, you know, being exactly who you are in every situation of your life. And, and then two, you know, something that I also live by is we are, we're the writers of our own story. And I think that really taking ownership over, you know, being the author of your own journey um, is, is very cool and, and not being too worried about decisions or things along those lines because tomorrow's another day. And if you genuinely believe in yourself, anything's possible, right? You're going to figure it out and, and you'll get there. So, so that's just a couple, but there's so many that, that I try to live by. Um, the one I tell my children is anything is possible. I, I genuinely believe that if you want it bad enough and if you're willing to work hard for it enough, you can do literally anything you want to do in life. And, and I, I believe that to my core and you have to be willing to do it. You know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes work, it takes sacrifice. But if you want whatever that is bad enough, you can get it. You just have to yep. be willing to want to get it. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's funny because these things stay with you. And, and I got a quote from my father. I think I must have been Andrew's age, you know, 14. And he told me that a champion team will always beat a team of champions. And that sticks in my mind and I use it so often. I must bore people. I probably bore people on this podcast with it, but it's something that just stays in my mind. I try and share that with all the teams that I work with or people that I work with or mentor or whatever. And, and you know, it's funny how these things just stick with you and you, you really do live by them, don't you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love, I love that it. one too. No, I think that's great. Yeah, it's good. My final one for you, if I may. Mm-hmm. Um, and where do you see yourself and Marketopia in five, 10 years time? Great question. It's interesting because at Marketopia, I always joke that a Marketopia minute is faster than any other time <laughs> that exists. Um, it's faster and more happens in a Marketopia minute. So even thinking five years ahead is like thinking 25 years ahead. But we've got amazing plans for the next three, five, and 10 years. And where I see the team itself, obviously, I see us going, you know, global in more areas, which is wonderful. Um, I see us having, you know, additional locations similar to the one we just opened up in in London and being many more team members. So we had a five-year plan of being 500. Um, so we're at 135 right now. So in five years, we hope to be 100. And then and then obviously multiplying after that. And really, you know, the goal of being the premier and the go-to lead generation and marketing firm in our space. I, I want to ensure that the way we continue to build our value and the way we continue to offer services to our industry is that if you want to grow, there's no other choice than Marketopia. Like that is your go-to if you are serious about growth. And I want that to be the narrative that everyone thinks about that, that that's the smart choice. Hey, if I want to grow, I've got to go to Marketopia because they're the ones who are going to help me get there. And, and I, I take a lot of pride in that and being able to help others achieve their dreams. And so I, I definitely see our team being larger. I see, I see us being able to affect many more um, tech companies and really just being a, a cornerstone in, in the community. Fantastic. Andrew, thank you so much for sharing your journey. Thank you so much for sharing the journey of being an entrepreneur and, and, and taking your company to where it is today. And I get inspired by listening to people from all walks of life and all business owners that A, have the, the wherewithal to, to actually put a business together and take it forward, but to look seven years down the track and see how successful it is. So thank you so much for sharing that with me and the listeners. And I want to wish you all the very best for 2021. 
look forward to sharing some of those successes with you. Absolutely. So excited. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Andra. The end of another great episode of the Vanguard podcast. And thank you, Andra, for being our guest today and running through your incredible journey. Learning that entrepreneurial spirit from your parents seems to be a very common trait amongst my successful guests. And Andra's passion for helping business owners create realistic goals, showing them how they can achieve that, is very much the catalyst of her business career and also the success of her business. The philosophy she follows in learning from the giants and great people, finding a gap in the market and being the best is something that will inspire many of our listeners for sure. Like all great leaders, Andra highlights people and culture as the cornerstone of her business success. And I wish her all the very best in the future. Thanks again for listening to the Vanguard podcast and remember to subscribe to never miss an episode. Take care, stay safe and keep on innovating.